0: Hi, and welcome to the Tough Fish Show. I'm your host, Jen Millius, and I'm so glad that you're here and can't wait to introduce to you Meredith Stoddard. Meredith R. Stoddard writes folklore-inspired fiction from her writing shed in Virginia. She studied literature and folklore at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill before working as a corporate trainer and instructional designer. Her love of storytelling is inspired by years spent listening to stories at her grandmother's kitchen table. She also advocates for the preservation of traditional fiber arts and the Scottish Gaelic language. Let's dive into the pond and meet Meredith. Welcome to the Tough Fish Show. I am so excited to bring to you Meredith Stoddard. Meredith, thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks so much for having me. I am so glad you are here. And I would love for you to start with how did you get into writing?
1: Oh gosh. Well, I mean, I think that, uh, I've sort of always been a storyteller. I, um, you know, used to make up all kinds of stories and, um, characters and things when I was younger. And, um, so I just started eventually when I had the time finally started writing them down. Um, uh, but, uh, but yeah, I think, um, I don't know. I spent a lot of time with my grandmother who is a great storyteller and she loved to tell stories to me, um, and, uh, to my brother. And so I just developed that love of storytelling when I was very young.
0: So in part of storytelling now, was she passing along like, uh, family stories or tips or things like, <laughs> of, of, a, of, a. um, like a, a culture a background because i know you're into mm-hmm. um celtic backgrounds celtic lore but or was it more about uh, like just making up a story to use your imagination like there once was a prince this yeah prince. no for <laughs> her
1: i think um it was mostly about our family and um kind of the small town in north carolina where she lived um she lived she has lived all her life in that town. Um, She still does. And um, so it was a lot of, you know, telling about the earlier generations of our family and also some of the folks um, within the town. So we, she's kind of the memory keeper um, for a lot of, a lot of families really. Um, And uh, it's a small town. So we're related to just about everybody, I think.
0: I love that though, because that's, that's true that memory keeping that's such a beautiful way to put that but then also storytelling because that is what she's doing she is passing along those but instead of it just saying well this is so and so and this is so and so it's a fun way to bring that in and it feel like, and then what happened?
1: Yeah. Yeah. When there's a narrative to it also, it sticks with us more. You know, I still remember some of the stories that she told us when, um, when I was younger about our family before the war and, um, all kinds of stuff and that, you know, that stays with you.
0: Yeah, it does. I, I love that. So, so very much. So then how did you decide to turn, or when did you decide to turn this writing as something that you were interested in, the storytelling that you mm-hmm. you enjoyed into something a little bit more, you know, like permanent, so to speak, yeah. by writing
1: books. Yeah. You know, I, I've, I've sort of always wanted to write. Um, I thought about going into journalism when I was younger, um, and things like that. And I ended up going into corporate training. Um, so I, I was telling stories. I was just telling stories about why people should buy tax preparation software instead of, you know, these, the kind of stories that I tell now. Um, so I don't know. I started writing, uh, the river maiden, which is the first book in my series. I started writing it the year my husband and I got married and, um, um, and then, you know, life kind of has a way of pulling you away from things. So we had kids and, you know, moved and, um, all kinds of things. And you have to worry about mortgages and bills and things like that. So a lot sort of pulled me away from writing. And then I got laid off in 2008, um, on election day, I might, oh, my. <laughs> um, and, um, so I, uh, I ended up, you know, kind of my, I it was difficult because there's not a ton of companies around where we were living that, um, that offered positions like the one that I had. Um, So I was kind of going, well, what am I going to do now? And my husband said, why why do you need to go get a job? You can just stay home with the kids and do what you want to do. And I was like, Oh, Oh, wait a minute. (laughs) Really? (laughs) You know? And, uh, and that was when I started kind of picking up that 50 pages that I wrote, you know, 10 years before and going, Oh, what can I do with this? You know? So I started, um, and then I wrote a couple of short stories for practice and kind of just built up that, uh, that creative energy Yeah, I managed to get this novel out. So,
0: okay. So to your point, there's a duration between the first few, pa- the first set of pages you, you wrote mm-hmm. and picking it back up again and saying, now what, so what was that like in the sense that, I mean, I encourage people all the time between whatever you've written, put some distance, whatever that yeah. is between that. And the next time you pick it up, because you're going to catch things, you'll see things you might, you might appreciate what you've done. Or you might do something different, or you might see glaring things you need to go fix. So since you did have a distance between the first and the second, yeah. the next time,
1: talk, talk about that, please. Sure. Um, I think, you know, there was. There were a lot of changes probably uh eventually because originally i started with a prologue and um you know most publishers these days tell you they hate prologues and you should weave it into the book or whatever um which i ended up doing uh just because it made for a faster beginning Mm -hmm. um but uh but yeah i think also there's just more life experience you know there's a good 10 or almost 10 years between when i wrote those first 50 pages and when i um you know when i picked it up again and it changes your perspective it changes the way you're looking at things and when i started writing i kind of started with that inciting incident and then i wasn't entirely sure where it was going like i thought it could be a book i thought it might be a series but I didn't completely know where it was going. So when I came back to it, I had a better idea of how I could weave in um, stuff. And I read a lot of material between the beginning and picking it back up that fed into kind of the, a lot about folklore, a lot about Scottish history, a lot about um, American history, and just kind of Um, had a lot more information to work with when I picked it back up and I was much better able to lay out the plot and kind of see where things were going um, with that much more experience and that much more um, knowledge so I think it's a better book because I not necessarily because I had that break but at least because I took the time and did uh, a lot of research
0: I I like that though. So then to your point about the plot and then questioning if it was one book or if it would be a series, Mm -hmm. how did you make the determination that you felt that it would become a series? And then how did you know where to end the first book then?
1: (laughs) That's a great question. Um, I kind of, I love series. I love reading series. I, you know, I'm, I like spending that much time with characters. I like getting into a sort of deep dive with um, particular characters. So that um, you know, it wasn't it wasn't a big push for me to de- to decide to do a series because I thought, okay, this will be you know this will be good. I like these characters. They've been with me a while now. I think I'm going to keep following them and seeing what they do. Um, but also, I just realized that the story is a more uh, kind of a sweeping story, right? And my jumping off point for the series is what would happen if the future part of once in future was now. And so that's, you know, that's a pretty broad topic. And, um, (laughs) and so I felt like there was a lot of room for, um, for more stories and more depth to it. Um, And what, You know, what that would look like, that kind of story in a modern setting. So, um, so it wasn't too hard to decide that it was going to be a series. Um, It took a while. It was, I was probably into writing the third book when i decided exactly like what format that series is going to take so i have a first trilogy which is sort of getting us to a point where we're accepting that this is what's happening and then there's a second trilogy that uh that i'm working on now that is um sort of getting sort of getting the ball rolling and then there's a third trilogy that's going to be kind of about the next generation so there's it's a pretty involved (laughs) series. Wow.
0: Yes. So, okay. Now a whole lot of things are coming to me. (laughs) One of which is, is do you have a system or some recommendations for someone writing something with this kind of reach, this many characters and levels of conflict, you know, timing, Mm -hmm characters relationships do you have a, a system that helps you to keep everything straight and when they're showing up almost like a spreadsheet even yeah my head. so
1: i am well after working in the corporate world for almost 15 <laughs> years i definitely am a fan of spreadsheets but um, <laughs> <laughs> um So I do, I have kind of a series Bible where the the key characters, I have sort of pages on them where I say, okay, this is their middle name, like stuff that you would normally forget, you know, their middle name, what color hair they have. I mean, I don't forget the hair color, but, um, you know, just simple details that are important and, you know, need to be consistent and kind of what their journey is. Um, And then... I also am a, th- a huge fan of Save the Cat writes a novel. It is a great way of just laying that out. So I have a spreadsheet where I have the beach, the story beats for each of the books laid out. Um, and I have kind of their theme um, and, um, and a you know a sort of brief synopsis of where we're going uh, with that. And I find that, that super high level view helps me keep my focus. Um, and each book sort of has a theme and the theme within each book um, is sort of the true North. So yeah, I've got my, you know, my A plot and my B plot and those things are moving, but what is the what is the big, you know, focus on for this book within this um, series? So it's it's good to kind of, think from that high level so that I keep I I like a tight story so (laughs) even though my books are big I like you know I don't like to ramble about you know side quests and things like that I like to kind of keep it relatively tight so um, it helps me do that to be able to see you know all of that from a high level and then zoom in where I need to.
0: So it also sounds like it's a form of that planster panster that that dance it sounds like it's straddling the center in that way because there's the planning at the high level Mm -hmm. enough to know to give structure and to give direction and like you said to keep all the moving parts together and aligned but allowing you the free flow and your characters the, the free flow to say but I'm on this journey, Meredith, we're mm-hmm. going on this journey. You're like, oh, okay, well, we're going to keep writing. It sounds <laughs> like they get to talk to you. They're talking to you as a part of it too. That oh yeah, all the time. <laughs> so it's, it's a relationship essentially that it's not just, it has to follow exactly. It sounds like it's a yeah. blend.
1: Yeah, I'm very, I mean, I do, I, I kind of call myself a super plotter because before I start writing, I will take that beat sheet and break it down and plot out every scene. Uh, that doesn't mean that I stick to that. Uh, <laughs> I do sometimes have things that, you know, come up and, um, and take me in a new direction. And I get plenty of surprises along the way. I know a lot of people who are anti-plotting, who don't like not having surprises, but trust me, I get plenty. <laughs> but, um, you know, there's always room. And, I, and if that happens, I'll kind of stop and replot um, and say, okay, so this suddenly happened. This character showed up. What role are they going to play? Because I and and once in a while, you get that magic character that shows up, and you just love them more than you thought you would, and they have more personality than you thought they would, and uh, you realize that they need a bigger role um, altogether. So, and that you know, there's plenty of time to stop and replot and redirect um, and stuff. So. There's lots of room for adjustment uh, as the writing goes on.
0: So then it sounds to me like the way you go about this is that Mm -hmm. to your point with a book having a theme in the bigger picture, but the theme helps you to create the the end, like to know what's Mm -hmm. contained in this story. So it has its own plots and so forth and conflict and development, but in the same breath, it has an ending. Oh, wait. And a cliffhanger to move yeah, to the next. Book. Usually, <laughs> but something that leads to say, and there's more coming.
1: <laughs> yeah. Very yeah, nice. I rarely answer all the questions in one book because it's a series. Um, so there are always, you know, lingering questions and what's the next step and um, and things like that. But uh, but I do like to kind of say, okay, I'm going to resolve this theme here in this book but there's still this overarching plot. And that's one of the reasons why plotting becomes important because it helps me keep in mind, you know, what, where the whole series is going as I'm, you know, making those adjustments along the way.
0: But it also sounds like it would help in the sense that you are making sure you're closing up what you intend, Mm -hmm. what your characters intend, but then recognizing, Hey, we have some other parts that are still left open and they need to move to a subsequent book, even if it's resolved in book three or book four, mm-hmm. it's still, it helps you to make sure that you haven't lost sight of that because the reader will notice the reader will be like, hey, what happened to this over here? And, <laughs> and it's not, yes. and it helps to make sure that when you have so many pieces, a complex project like that, you're able to keep all the parts and, and remember even the smaller details.
1: mm mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, and that is and that is really important is remembering um, those smaller details and what's carrying over to the next book because there's there's a lot of um, sort of political intrigue and things happening and um, it's kind of a family saga in some sense. So there's a lot of that kind of woven in and, you know, we don't tend to resolve family issues um, very quickly. So, <laughs> so that kind of thing tends to carry on from book to book um and yeah i mean and the main character sarah she's she's got a lot of baggage you know she had a lot of of uh, childhood trauma and things like that so it's um you know that's not the kind of thing that gets resolved right away and then a lot of things happen to her during the you know course of the series too so there's a lot to process <laughs>
0: But I like that though, because I mean, that's, that shows growth, that makes it intriguing. That makes a, a story that you can feel like you're sitting in kind of, I've heard it described like you're, you're feeling like you're in the movie, you're taking are mm-hmm. in the movie and you're, you're part of it and you're reading with it, but you feel like you're watching a movie versus just kind of feeling a bit more detached from it. I think it, it sounds like it will, to me, it brings you in more
1: well that's certainly what I hope um you know I want folks to feel like they are a part of this and the response that I get to um especially my two main characters Dermot and Sarah is is pretty strong um you know a lot of people really love them and um especially Dermot he's he's sort of a book boyfriend for a lot of people and um you know and so that kind of richness of character, that kind of realness, I think becomes really important if you're going to keep drawing people on from book to book as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So given that your books also have lore in them, Mm -hmm. Celtic and uh, American, like you said, it sounds, I would think, I would think that the plotting (laughs) is just going to help one, make sure you are when to weave in those key points or how they're mm-hmm. fitting in so it's almost kind of like its own undercurrent to to each book would you agree
1: yeah i mean it it becomes easy because sarah the main character is an ethnomusicologist she's you know she's into folk songs and she's the um the sort of starting point for her at least is trying to trace a song that her grandmother taught her and um so that gives that Uh, That sort of feeds into that folklore need, but even beyond that some of the plot of the whole series is directed by folklore and directed by Arthurian legends. So um, it's on multiple levels we're getting, um, you know, local folklore of where Sarah's from in Appalachia, or where she goes to in Scotland, or um, what have you, but then we also have the sort of broader folklore that feeds into it. And some of it is also made up, like some of the folklore that's in there that kind of drives Sarah's story I invented, but because I studied folklore, because I research folklore a lot and read about it a lot, I kind of follow some conventions that are pretty common. So it seems a little bit more believable. So I have an author's note in the back of each book that says, this is the invented part. This is the real part.
0: I don't want anybody
1: confused.
0: I love that though. I love that so so much. So then, but to your point, there's elements of research, just like you said, with that 10 year gap. There was some research also going on in there, and research continuing through that because of what you're reading, what you're seeing. So how do you balance between what you know, but then what Uh you might need to research, and actually writing.
1: <laughs> yeah, that is probably the hardest thing. Um, I think that it's very easy because I'm in by nature, a really curious person. Right. Um, and, um, it's very easy to just get stuck in that sort of research rabbit hole of, I'm going to read this thousand page book of folklore from, you know, the Western Isles because I, because I want to, and it's fun and it's interesting. But there, at some point I have to be like, no, I, I'm going to stop and, and actually, you know, jot this down. But I'm very often, you know, reading books and with a notepad uh, and making notes, not so much about the legends itself themselves within the books, but which ones I want to incorporate and um, how they're going to get incorporated and what... Um, you know, what bearing they might have on the larger story and things like that. So, um, yeah, I just always jotting things down and making notes. And sometimes I do have to just kind of be disciplined and be like, okay, I'm going to set that book aside, come back later, um, and, uh, and focus on, on getting the story out. But it's also really inspiring, because sometimes I'll read something while researching and it'll just kind of light that flame that in my imagination and I have to go write. You know, I'm like, this is so juicy. I just have to work it in right now. Um, So it varies.
0: (laughs) I'm glad that you shared that. So when that, when that happens and you are, you're going back and writing now, do you write, I'm going to say it this way in order, meaning this chapter chapter one then Mm -hmm. chapter two or do you write the scene saying this scene is just speaking to me this scene because I just got inspired it's juicy it's what I want to include I love this and I'm not sure where it's going to go yet so I'm just gonna write it and then see what happens and then pick up like do you write in order or or how
1: does that work a little bit of both actually um because I am a plotter and I kind of think of the stories in order like that I um I do usually write in order, but there are often times when, and it's usually in the form of dialogue that it comes to me and it's just so strong and so compelling. I'm like, I have to get this scene down. I don't know where it's going to go. I don't know when, you know, like I've already written the climax for book, um, book six. And I'm still working on book five because (laughs) I just, I it came to me one day and I'm like, this is going to be a really amazing scene and it's going to be electric and I love it, and you know I wrote out the dialogue, and I'm like, okay, I'm just going to get this down and come back to it. So I have like a, you know, a folder of these are the scenes that I'm in storage, you know, and I can trot them out when I get to that point. So yeah, I mean, so it's a bit of both because I'll burn out that creative energy on that scene that's really got my attention. And then I'll come back and go back to where I was already in the plot, you know, and, um, and get sort of back to the sequence that I was originally in. So I know I have that scene sitting out there, but, you know, I get back to where the focus is and, you know, that stuff happens a lot. Uh, so I have, I have a number of store of scenes just stored waiting for me to get to that point. Um, and, you know, it usually, of course, it always happens when you're in the shower or driving the car, or you know, when you can't write things down, um, but yeah, phones are very helpful. I know. Yes. As well.
0: yes, I will. I, when that's happened to me, I'll either email it to myself or I'll mm-hmm. use the voice app and I'll voice it all. And then email that to myself. So yeah. I have a
1: hard time with the voice app, but, um, but if I, if I stop and I'll use like Jotterpad and email it to myself, or, um, I've started writing in dabble. I was a big Scrivener fan for a long time. Um, but I've recently started using dabble and I like it a lot because I can do it on my phone. I can do it on my iPad. I can do it on my computer, just wherever I am. I, if something comes to me, I can just put it in there and, you know, set it in its little bucket and keep it there for later but
0: i like what you described about so the idea hits and rather than kind of go but it's out of order or or or, i'm not ready for this yet you take advantage of it you write it and then you're willing to put it i'm going to say aside but you put it Mm -hmm. in it's in a place that says now i've got you situated where i i my that scene section or the yeah. the the development section of whatever, and then being able to pull it back out. I love that because just as much as you could go through editing and say this section, do I really need it? And move it out and to hold on to it just in case, even mm-hmm. if it never comes back in. The reverse is true too, and I yeah I love that you've described how you did
1: that. I do that with with new projects too, because I'll often get an idea for a, a new project, while I'm working on, you know, something else and I do the same thing I'll like, this is really kind of in my brain and if I don't exercise it now. I'm never going to get back on task with this book that I'm supposed to be working on. So I'll write a test scene or I'll write a brief outline of a plot or um, something like that and sort of get whatever that creative thing is that's got my attention out. And then I can, you know, move back to the new thing. So I have like a bucket full of story ideas and stuff that are just sitting out there. So waiting, ask, <laughs> just waiting. <laughs> yeah. I've had characters in the middle of all kinds of craziness, just waiting for me to come back and fix their issue. <laughs> That's awesome.
0: I love that. That's so fantastic. So when you, so when you are working with a series, as you are coming through, you've got book one, it's out book mm-hmm. two, you might be writing or what have you, wherever you are in that cycle, how do you balance between promoting or talking about the previous books yeah. and continuing to work on what you have coming up so that there's a nice ebb and flow uh, and and honoring all that's been created because <laughs> sometimes you know it's really cool to be excited about the new thing that's
1: out but it's also mm-hmm. these other books are there too so how do you manage that dance um well so with a series you're really kind of always promoting the first book no matter what you know and so I'm always looking to gather new readers and meet new readers and things like that so um, I'm always trying to kind of get the word out there about the first book so we can get folks kind of hooked on these characters because that's really what keeps people reading um, when you have a series that is as long as mine for sure. (laughs) And, um, and so you're always promoting that first book. I trying to find the balance between writing and promoting, um, is always a challenge. Um, and you know, I think every author will tell you that it's, you know, it's, it takes a lot of time to promote a book. And, um, and of course it takes a lot of time to write a book. So I try to sort of block time. Um, I'm not always successful because, you know, we have families and lives and things outside of our imagination, um, but I try to block time. So I try to say, okay, this day, this week is the day I'm going to do promotional stuff. And then you use, you know, schedulers so that I schedule all my social media posts or I schedule um, interviews or I schedule whatever. And then I have these days that I'm going to be writing. And, um, I try to, to keep things out of those days um, so that I have my, you know, imaginary friends have room to come talk to me. And um, I use a lot of writing sprints as well. Um, And I got into that when my children were younger because um, I figured I, it might be hard to do a whole day of writing, but I can carve out 25 minutes here and 25 minutes there. And so I got, you know, I got, Hopefully I got good at, um, at one time, <laughs> I would say it's, it's hard sometimes, but you try to get good at finding whatever creative triggers pull you into that imaginary world and out of the real world and um, try to f- figure out what they are and how to do it quickly. So like I use playlists that have music um, that inspires me to write. And um, so I would set my timer play, you know, play the music on my playlist and, um, you know, try to bang out as much as I could in 25 minutes. And, um, and I still try to do that. Um, it's, you know, my schedule's not quite as predictable as it was when my kids took regular naps. <laughs> and so, um, you know, there are always challenges, but, um, I trying to block that time and trying to be sensible about it is, um, is the best way I know.
0: I love that. I I really do. I think that that's it's realistic too because mm-hmm. I love the point that you're making with the writer sprint or I you could also look at it as like the pomodoro technique where you set a timer and you run yep. it for like 25 30 minutes and take a break because you want the break and then if you feel you can do it again do it again if it's you do it again but it's not for another couple hours okay to me yeah. it's about it's still about showing up but it's also you know I like the way you've described how you ebbed and flowed with that. I think
1: that's really cool. I mean, we always have kind of daily writing goals Mm -hmm. and, you know, these are, if I'm going to make my deadline, I need to write this many words a day. Um, And of course my deadlines are all self-imposed, but, uh, (laughs) but I need to write this many words a day and I'll have that there and I'm always kind of counting, you know, and if I can string together like four good sprints, um, then I can probably hit my work goal for that day. Um, but I'm always kind of counting. And I'm also um, after working in the corporate world for so long, I'm kind of a nut for metrics. So I'm also like recording like this sprint, I was 25 minutes long and I wrote this many words, you know, <laughs> and stuff like that. So I'm always kind of looking to be more efficient with it. I don't know that I always am, (laughs) but I'm always trying.
0: (laughs) Yeah. But I like that because I mean, it's something that you can, it's just yet another way of saying, how else am I improving in my business? Because it is Mm -hmm. running a business and there are other, you're just looking at other ways of gauging what feels right for you. So, yeah. Yeah
1: it also helps that readers are kind of nudging me every once in a while and being like hey where's the next book where's the next book no pressure (laughs) Um, (laughs) and yeah i mean i love that they love these characters and i love that they want you know the next installment um so it's it helps kind of drive that um that you know will to keep going honestly because it's um I mean, I want to finish this story. I want to finish this story. And I have all these other ideas that I was saying, in, you know, in a bucket off to the side that I want to get to. Um, so, uh, you know, you just kind of, I don't know. I, I feel like I'm never writing fast enough because I want to, you know, I want to get that out. I want to get to these other stories because I have, you know, more ideas always.
0: <laughs> I I think that is awesome. Meredith, this has been so cool. Where can people (laughs) connect with you? Where can they get your books?
1: Uh, Well, my books are available at most ebook sellers um, and also in print. Um, And uh, if they're in Fredericksburg um, in Virginia, you can get it at Agora Downtown Coffee Shop, um, which is a lovely coffee shop. They make an amazing um, curry mocha; it's my favorite. Um, cool, but uh, and then they can always uh, find me on uh, at MeredithStoddard.com and uh, M underscore R underscore Stoddard on Twitter and Mr Stoddard on Instagram.
0: Awesome, Meredith! Thank you so much for being on thank the show. You.
1: Thank you. It's been great talking to you.
0: Thanks for listening today. I'm so glad you were here and know there were some valuable nuggets shared to keep going, keep writing, and keep sharing your work. I'm a big believer that if you have a book that's in your heart to write, then there's someone else out there who needs to read it. Your story needs to be shared, so you have to write it and get it out into the world. Until next time, keep swimming upstream while going with the flow and get your book into the world. To learn more about tough fish and jump into the pond, visit JenniferMilius forward slash Tough Fish